0: is Bloomberg Surveillance. It's not the job of finance ministers and central bank governors to accelerate a crisis. It's our job to try and avoid a crisis.
1: The danger of what's going on in market at the moment is that it does feed back to the real economy. Right now,
0: I don't think we need to do any new fiscal policy. So it's really a question about what's going to happen in the future.
2: Bloomberg Surveillance, your link to the world of economics, finance, and investment on Bloomberg Radio.
3: Good morning, everyone. Without question, the conversation of the morning coming up next. Anat body of Stanford, her comments on the uh, controversial decision of Neil Kashkari of Minnesota and of Minneapolis to drive forward the too big to fail debate. Michael McKee and I will have that for you in a moment. Right now, foreign exchange in a quiet day. The Forex Brief brought to you by Interactive Brokers. Winner of FX Week's 2015 award for the best retail Forex trading platform. Visit IB at IBKR.com slash Forex. I mentioned Weekend 112.75, Euro churning 110.09. Sterling with a nice bid off that 138 shock yesterday, 139.54, up 27 uh, pips. Dollar Canada, well through 137. Stronger Canada, 136.19 On Looney Mike, I think we'll leave it at that. Mike, I want you to set up this important interview by saying who is Neil Kashkari? Who is Anat Amadi?
0: Neil Kashkari is, of course, the new president of the Federal Reserve Bank of Minneapolis, former Treasury Department official. Uh, Anad Amadi is a professor of finance and economics at Stanford University. She wrote the book The Banker's New Clothes, and uh, in a way, uh, she has been Don Quixote for years, warning about the dangers of undercapitalized and poorly regulated banks and what they could do to the economy. And she has now in Mr. Kashkari. And also, John Vickers talking about this over in England. Perhaps uh, she has found her Sancho (laughs) Panzas. Not (laughs) welcome back to the show. Thank Um, you. All of a sudden, uh, you have some traction with some people who matter.
4: I know. It's amazing. Uh, Suddenly, somebody would make a noise who's more important than I am. And... um... You know, suddenly people are curious about what's going on, and so we can talk. That's great. You
0: you have for years said that uh, banks needed more capital. Uh, Would you agree with uh, Mr. Kashkari that they should be somehow broken up?
4: Well, the question is if you start with a breakup or or the breakup happens because they can't live in markets with equity. So well, it's not inconsistent. I think that they are too big to manage, to regulate their monstrous institutions by any measure that you can look at. So something is very wrong with them. How you get there is sort of the question.
0: What part of the business model is too big in the sense of if they were to hive something off? What, what makes them dangerous?
4: Well, I think there are just a lot of things that we see. What we see is Big enough, and what's sort of lurking around them is almost as scary. The fact that I don't think we understand all the risks in derivatives and in the various subsidiaries that they have, and I think that the the lines of business just have become kind of out of control for one corporation. I mean, we don't see any corporation being being as big, being as as complicated.
3: Mm-hmm. Well, and, and, uh, Professor Marty, to to frame the debate and in, in in President Kashkari has been very good about saying there will be a symposium mm-hmm. and I think everyone in the debate would be honored if you attended whether they agree or disagree with well,
4: uh, I'm we, I'm going I'm oh, you're there. fourth good fourth uh, and and I'm one good. of the speakers in the announcement I think I sent you the announcement
3: okay well I, you know I'm sorry I mean my people didn't you know I I I think so my many came,
0: invitations
3: I failed I was not a super boss today yeah. not <laughs> at but but importantly professor the dialogue is between Anat atmadi and Stephen Ratner, who appeared with us uh, yesterday, and he said to his good and esteemed colleague with public service in this nation uh-huh. that Neil Kashkari is just flat out or i can't remember Mike the exact language. Where is Steve Ratner off the mark oh,
4: i didn't listen to that, so I afraid too uh, <laughs> I, I, I have a day job so well, but but within to... your day job you, is well, the idea that the, the he said failed?
3: he said. That the banks are doing fine and that regulation is the solution.
4: No, that I agree with for sure. They're doing fine. I don't agree. I mean, fine by what measure? You know, you could be driving down a highway at 150 miles an hour and you know you're doing fine while you're making a turn. But uh, I don't think I don't think we should feel that they're fine. I don't feel they're fine. I don't. Uh, I think that we're very endangered by them, and that there's no reason they should be so dangerous. So I think that these are false reassurances. I don't know what Steve Ratner has to go by to to make those assertions.
0: Well, I think he suggested, as I have a number of people, that with the additional. Capital that banks are being required to hold, and with the additional regulation that's been imposed by Dodd-Frank, especially the costs of complying with that regulation, that banks are significantly safer than they were going into the financial crisis.
4: But that's not a measure for me. <laughs> Obviously, they they were not safe going into the financial market, and like abysmally not safe, and everybody suffers the consequences. So being safe far is not much of a reassurance for me. The question is are they as safe as they should be. Now those that say oh regulations have done this and Dodd frank has done that i actually look at that and i actually am involved in a few of the pieces of the Dodd frank and i can tell you that i am not happy with the way Dodd frank is being implemented and the cost of compliance are high because the regulations are way too complex for example mm-hmm. they're telling you the too big to fail is over because they have some debt that will absorb losses uh, Tom Honey gave a speech saying it's very strange to take a very fragile system and think that debt is the thing that will make it stable. In order for these T-LACs of theirs to work, you're going to have to have the courage to declare JPMorgan Chase insolvent when it has it and other banks. And I'm not, I don't mean to point to J.P. Morgan Chase. It's among the stronger one, maybe. But that either of them... So why are we counting on debt that would <clears throat> magically convert to equity when we can put right. equity in its place? So equity is much simpler. The lawyers might have less work to do, and there would be less compliance if you just have <clears throat> them retain their earnings.
3: If we understand that there was bank failure, there were clearly mistakes made, even the, the most staunchest bank mm-hmm. defender agrees with that. And if we have new regulation, how do you expect U.S. banks to compete internationally if we give up size and
4: scale? Well, you know, international competition is all good and well, except when it comes on the back of taxpayers. So what I say is, you know, we can control only what we can control. It's not a national objective that our banks be competitive globally. You know the, the the Irish banks were competitive and the Icelandic banks were competitive for a while. And look where it took them. Yeah. So go, it, that's not that. an objective.
3: Yeah, I mean, I mean, Mike, I think we have to hearken back to the Irish lesson. Is part of this debate again, whatever the polarity of the debate is.
4: Completely, you know, everybody can succeed if you give them enough subsidies. If you know, so the competing to harm is not is not the kind of competition I want. They're competing with the rest of the economy. They're taking, you know, the, we may have two biggest uh, financial sector. I, I want the markets to work. I think it's all distorted by subsidies and by, you know, recklessness and bloated. And so I want to see the market work.
0: When you go up to Minneapolis on uh, April 4th, what are you going to tell? Good uh, question. President Kashkari, other than turn up the heat, please.
4: Oh, I have a lot to say. In fact, however <laughs> much time they give me, I will. And, I, and I'm actually telling them what I think they should emphasize, which are the kinds of things I want to get into for the last six years, Before we, once we remove all the fog and all the, the flawed claims, which is how do we measure anything there? I am not happy with uh, the way we even understand the risks from these markets. So I don't trust the measures. I don't trust risk weights. All of those things are enormous problems. So, you know, I, I don't see capital as measured uh as the as necessarily the, the silver bullet and if you tell me that they measure it as, as you know fifteen percent instead of five that, that I'm going back to sleep. So there's plenty to talk about uh, regarding you know the scope of banking, the type of reporting, you know, they still rely on credit rating agencies, all kinds of things.
3: I I'm not fabulous. Let's come back with another, nod of Marty. <laughs> I'm sorry, one block today. not thank you so much. We'll come we back really need. We'll Anat, we would here. kill. I'm going to book you right now. We would kill to have you on somewhere around that important April meeting uh, in Minneapolis. I, we need to make every effort uh, to do that. Professor Anandamani at Stanford, uh, truly the, the nation's leader on um, careful, measured, and respectful criticism. Of our bank and financial uh, institutions as well chris Whalen uh Michael McKee was active today uh, out talking about yeah. curve flatness as being a challenge to bank profitability well, sure.
0: Um, and, yeah. uh, it's a difficult time period because that is sort of out of the mm-hmm. hands of the regulators.
3: And, um, our kindest thanks to Stephen Ratner. Um, yesterday on the show with Willett Advisors, we should point out as a disclaimer, uh, one of the managers of our owner, Michael Bloomberg's, uh, money. Uh, Michael Bloomberg is a founder and, uh, leader of the company and Bloomberg Radio. But the polarity between Ratner and Admati is what, it's what this show is all about. Different Question. people, different views. Different people with different uh, views. Futures green up four. Dow futures up 41. They yield 1.74%. All right,
0: let's check in with John Tucker and get the latest world and national headlines, John.
5: All right, uh, thanks, Michael and Tom. With five days to go before Super Tuesday, Republican rivals of Donald Trump looking to challenge the GOP frontrunner during tonight's debate in Houston. Marco Rubio Ted Cruz have so far shown little willingness to take on Trump in a high-profile setting that could, of course, change tonight. Storm systems have brought tornadoes to the East Coast, killing four people in Virginia, including a two-year-old Virginia Governor Terry McAuliffe, declaring a state of emergency. Elsewhere, officials in South Carolina say a man was killed when a tree fell on him. The World Health Organization says women breastfeeding their babies in countries hit by the Zika virus should continue to do so. Who says there's no proof the disease can spread to infants that way? Global News, 24 hours a day, powered by 2,400 journalists, more than 150 news bureaus around the world. I'm John Tucker, Michael at Tom.
3: John, thanks so much. We may get a 113 per nine yen. Weaker two days in a row. 112.91 sterling front and center, 139.52. Stronger sterling off the uh, horror of yesterday. Worldwide, Bloomberg Surveillance.
0: Market Drivers, brought to you by your Mercedes-Benz Tri-State Dealer. When it comes to winter elements, put your best four wheels forward with Mercedes-Benz 4 matic all-wheel drive. Visit your Mercedes-Benz Tri-State Dealer for a test drive today.
2: Global Business News, 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio, this is a Bloomberg Business Flash.
6: And I'm Karen Moscow. This update is brought to you by Interactive Brokers and CME Group. If you're looking for global futures contracts with low trading costs, look no further. Interactive Brokers is the industry leader. Learn more at interactivebrokers.com slash CME Group. And U.S. stock index futures, they are higher. This is after equity staged a late-day rebound yesterday. And as investors assess a sell-off in China overnight and a rally in European markets. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P e-mini futures up 5 points, Dow e-mini futures up 45, and NASDAQ e-mini futures up 7.5. DAX in Germany is up 2.4 percent. Ten-year Treasury up 2.30 seconds, the yield 1.73 percent, yield on the two-year 0.73 percent. NYMEX crude oil down four tenths percent or ten cents to thirty two oh six a barrel. And COMEX gold is down nine tenths percent or eleven dollars seventy cents to twelve twenty seven twenty an ounce. The euro a dollar The yen one twelve point nine two. And that's a Bloomberg business flash. Tom and Mike. Terry
0: Moskow, thank you very much. Uh, Dave Wilson is here with your look at market drivers, and Dave is not one to turn down a request from Tom Keene. It a
3: request. It was, in awe of your wisdom, way out front, David Wilson.
7: Chenier Energy. Chenier Energy. Absolutely. How is it? Stock's up 1.5% in early trading. The natural gas exporter sent out its first shipment yesterday from the Sabine Pass Terminal in Louisiana. The cargo consists of 3 billion cubic feet of liquefied shale gas and is bound for Brazil. But I've got to tell you, Tom, it's not the only story coming out of Louisiana. And there's another one that isn't so favorable. It's about Cleco. They're an electric utility The investor group led by Macquarie Infrastructure wanted to buy them for $3.4 billion. No deal. Louisiana regulators rejected the transaction, and Clico's shares are down 2.5%. Moving on, Salesforce.com up 10%. Uh, the seller of Internet-based business software expects first-quarter earnings and revenue to exceed analyst average estimates in a Bloomberg survey. Salesforce.com also forecasts this year's results would meet or beat projections, and one of its competitors' workday up 3% in early trading. Campbell Soup up 1%. The company raised its 2018 target for a cost-cutting program to $300 million. Fourth-quarter earnings and sales were in line with preliminary figures given next week. You've got McKesson shares up 3%, the uh, drug distributor making a deal to buy Vantage Oncology and Biologics, as well as uh, another company for $1.2 billion total, and they saved the deal adding 11%. To their adjusted earnings for the fiscal 2017 period. One more, please. One more, quick. One more. Restoration hardware. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. Down one. Good 23.5%. One. The home furnishings retailers' fiscal fourth quarter earnings trailed estimates by the widest margin in three years. Sales were also well below projections, and you've got shares of Williams Sonoma down 7% in the wake of the disappointing numbers from Restoration
3: Hardware. Very good. Uh, David Wilson, thank you so much. Michael McKee, why don't you bring in our next esteemed guest? Well, esteem only
0: begins to uh, to describe Arthur Levitt, who is uh, former chairman of the Securities and Exchange Commission, a member of the Bloomberg board of directors, uh, host of a closer look here on this radio station. Uh, a couple of interesting things uh, catching your eye and mine: as story today um, that the New York attorney general Arthur is uh, giving his support to the SEC's
8: plans to regulate dark pools. I think that's a good thing, actually. There is a role for attorney generals and regulation at a state level, but it's when regulators disagree with one another to see who's first to the bar that we get into problems. Now, New York State is probably the most overregulated state in the history of America. You've got the New York State attorney general. You've got the U.S. attorney, FINRA, the New York City District Attorney uh, and on and on and on uh but I think the fact that New York state which a few weeks ago announced that Barclays and Credit Suisse would pay over $150 million to settle allegations that they misled investors on private trading platforms after doing that they turned the case basically over uh, to the SEC, and I think that's the way it should go. The
0: uh, the, the New York Attorney General has also got uh, legislation b- backing him up that, uh, from the days of Elliott Spitzer, has been wielded a- against the banks. So having him on the side of the regulators uh, probably makes banks a little a little more nervous, right?
8: Well, uh, no, not really, because uh, with New York State's very specific laws with regard to financial companies, the state regulator, going back to the days of Louis Lefkowitz, has been a powerful club and sometimes not a well-reasoned, experienced club used against the financial industry. So I think that the system is better served by the state doing its job, but ultimately the SEC has the final say in terms of major cases, and that appears to be what's happening in the instance of uh, Barclays and Credit Suisse, mm-hmm. where the Attorney General brought a case. And now the commission is taking it
3: on. Arthur, when you're in the studio again, I want to do a long discussion on this, but very quickly here, we have a polarity on surveillance. Anad Admadi of Stanford and Steve Ratner Willis Advisors, they differ remarkably in support of Neil Kashkari's effort to consider what to do with our big banks.
8: You're in an interesting place in this debate. Where do you fit in? I think that uh, Neil has a good point. He states it very starkly to make the point, and I don't think we're going to get to the point of breakup just yet, but I certainly don't think the issues with the banks are over. I certainly don't think the regulatory fixes can make the public rest easy. I certainly believe that modifications (coughs) of uh, Dodd-Frank will be made. And I think the whole question mm-hmm. of living wills is very much still up in the mm-hmm. air. So I guess I uh, lean toward the Kashkari-Ahmadi yeah. uh, feeling, not totally, but more than I do Steve. Uh, just brilliant. This is what we love, love, love,
3: folks. When we invented Bloomberg on the economy, we invented Bloomberg uh, surveillance. Michael, I just love the different nuances we get on whatever the debate is. And, of course, here on a very large part of the future of global uh, Wall Street. Arthur Levitt is a former chairman of the Securities and Exchange Commission. We have more. We need to get the markets open. Stay with us. Bloomberg Surveillance.
0: We're counting down to the opening bell, brought to you by the refined Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland. It continues to raise the bar with its luxurious interior and legendary 4x4 capability. Drive one at your local Jeep dealer today. Jeep, the official vehicle.
2: Killington Resort.
6: Hey, good morning. I'm Karen Moscow, along with Tom Keane and Michael McKee, and the opening bell brought to you by SCI. Have evolving investor and regulatory demands affected your investment firm's operational readiness? Imagine transforming your business with SCI's global platform at sci.c.com/slash-Imagine. And stocks are higher at the open. The S&P 500 up to tenths percent or three points to 1933. Dow Jones Industrial Average up to tenths percent or 30 points to 16,515. The Nas- DAX up three percent or twelve points to 45.55. Ten-year Treasury up seven thirty seconds. The yield one point seven two percent. Yield on the two-year point seven two percent. NYMEX crude oil down eight tenths percent or twenty seven cents to thirty one eighty eight a barrel. COMEX gold is down six tenths percent or seven dollars twenty cents to twelve thirty one eighty an ounce. And the euro a dollar oh nine nine four. The yen one twelve point eight six. Tom and Mike.
3: Karen, thanks so much. He is upon us. Joseph Weisenthal, I, I noticed the success of Bloomberg markets the other day, like Facebook follows and Twitter follows, It's really getting some traction.
9: Yeah, it's great. Uh, you know, I think the, um, the content that we produce at Bloomberg, the stories that we do, the TV, there's a, the t- there's a great appetite for it on the Internet. It, Sophisticated markets and economic commentary. People like
3: it. Have you seen his entourage, Michael McQueen? It stretches <laughs> halfway to Park Avenue. Uh, it's amazing yeah, what has got going
0: followers, it's yeah. more
3: like <laughs> The entourage on negative interest rates is extraordinary. Um, you, you say there's some calm out there. I don't see it because are we going to see from where you sit, is there a prediction of ever more negative interest rates?
9: Well, I just think it's striking how fast the conversation changes. I mean, I think that there are still anxieties about where this leads to, what it does to banks in the long term. But look, two weeks ago, you couldn't uh, you know, swing a cat without seeing a story about markets revolting against negative interest rates, concerns that they were really bad for the economy. Now I haven't seen one in weeks. What's changed? Nothing. The only thing that's changed is that markets have gone up, and so people have changed their story. But they're still with us. Um, I think one of the things that's really striking, the Japan 40-year government bond. I didn't even know it last night it that Japan yeah. had a 40-year. <clears throat> Everyone knows there's a 30-year. The yield on the 40-year now has fallen below 1%. I mean, it seems conceivable that in a month we'll be back here talking about how Japan has negative rates out to 40 years. Absolutely extraordinary a lot of this decline in yields coming since
0: Japan, the Bank of Japan went to negative rates. Mm-hmm. They, they've got a uh, bond that's going to mature in March of 2055. Tom will be there, tomorrow. and I'll be and
9: there. Clipping a coupon. Will you? Uh, will you take one percent on your money until <laughs> uh, 2055? Is that something? Uh, I remember you? my
3: grandfather. 95 basis points right My now. grandfather showing me his bond blotter, the first time he got a three percent coupon, and he said that was unimaginable. Yeah, together. It was so, so You really wonder, do we go back to that length of time? What are you observing about G20 this weekend? We've done very little yeah. on it, and it's Thursday. But is there any buzz other than it's a, a junket and a photo op?
9: No. I mean, I think uh, a few weeks ago, some people had talked about this idea of some coordinated global currency intervention. That just seems so far-fetched. It doesn't feel like... Anything on that front is going to happen. But, you know, again, these ideas were put forth during what felt like a period of much more panic. I, it just doesn't feel like there's the political will, particularly in the United States, to have the Fed or, any, or the Treasury or anyone else extend political capital to try to manipulate markets this way. So there might be some commentary about currencies, but... Right now it doesn't feel like we're going to get anything well, it's, major.
0: it's internally inconsistent uh, in the sense that different countries want the dollar to go different ways for their own reasons, so it wouldn't, wouldn't do anybody any good. But it does get to the point you were making with negative interest rates, that a lot of this seems to be people who got so used to regulators or, or supervisors, the Fed, uh, saving them, somehow, that they can't imagine a world where they may be on their own. And so the minute the markets go down, Mm -hmm. you got to do something for us.
9: Yeah, and I think that's also one of the really sort of remarkable stories in the last several weeks, how calm the Fed has been during the panic. It never gave any strong hints of a backtrack. It's just been steady. They keep saying the same thing, data dependent, data dependent. And uh, the Fed has never really given any inclination that they're going to suddenly freeze up and reverse course or anything like that. If you're just joining us,
3: uh, Joe Weisenthal of Bloomberg Markets uh, with us across many platforms. Joe, this is an important question and timely for you. I'm on the warpath about media types particularly, but a lot of other people as well. But media types. Who personalize the behavior idea mm. that the markets are tell, quote unquote yes. telling institutions like the Fed what to do? I all of my theory in finance and investment says that is total malarkey. Yeah, you the, have lived this first at Business Insider and here this personalization. Yes, the anthropomorphization
9: of, market, yeah. of the markets is very strange. It's usually people projecting their own biases. Onto what they would like, and then they read that into uh, the markets. Look, obviously, investors have ideas. Investors have ideas about whether long or short. Investors want to see this policy or that policy. But then when it's all synthesized into a market, into a price, it's really ludicrous to say, oh, there's some clear signal, there's some clear message that markets are telling us. I think yeah. often that uh, – just uh, it, <clears throat> the idea is very strange to me.
3: And Mike and I fight this every day, but but it's really come up recently. And, Mike, I think in a lot of com- conversations, this idea that the market has a mind. <laughs>
0: well, the market's out to get Stanley yeah. Fisher. Sure. Everybody keeps going back to the old formulation yeah. about how many recessions the market has called. And the Fed has – always opposed negative interest rates. And how it ever became a meme that they would be considering it, I have no idea. Yeah, well, I mean, I think the Fed is, uh, takes an academic
9: approach, and they were asked, is this something that you've studied? And They, they said no. Well, they, I mean, they, they said, yeah, they said, sure, among <laughs> all the different ideas, of course, we've studied everything. And then people took that as a message, perhaps, that it might be imminent, but it doesn't feel like it, especially – Given how inconsistent that would be with the data, with the solid CPI data that we got last week, the ongoing jobs data, the idea that we're at some uh, risk of Uh, the Fed dramatically reversing course and going negative doesn't jibe on multiple levels.
3: One minute. Gold. New bull market. What's the research? What are your 18 stories on this say?
9: I, you know, the the research on gold says that it's basically all a function of real interest rates. And so if you think that we're going to go into another serious easing cycle, then and we're going to get higher volatility, then sure, go long gold. And if you don't think we're going to go into a real easing cycle or some sort of crater, then it's hard to make an argument for gold. But it does seem like it's that simple. It's a, an expressed view on one uh,
3: scenario or the other. Joe Weisenthal, thank you so much. Thank Bloomberg you. Bloomberg Market, stopping by today. Look for him on what do, uh, four four p.m. is the 4 exact moment. Four p.m. Wall Street time. Three fifty-nine thirty Wall Street yes, time. Yes, exactly. He will darken the door of Bloomberg Television. Thank you. Uh, as well, uh, green on the screen, and it's sort of a massively indeterminate market. Weisenthal working six hours today. Um, up fifty-five. The VIX twenty point seven one, and it's just sort of like Mike. It's just it's. Just sort of there.
0: Yeah. Right? Uh, yeah, but just sort of their day, I think uh, people might be w- ready for that.
3: Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, there's a, a nice tone to it. Uh, we did note restoration hardware. David Wilson with an important uh, comment on restoration hardware. Um, uh, um, really having a tough time of it. Let me. RH is the symbol. Uh, I got a five day chart up. Yeah, we're 52 ish, and right now we're enjoying 39 ish. Can we use plunge for that? <laughs> no. Not going to do it. I, you know, I, I, yeah, I think it's sort of a... We'll have to look. That's a that's a big drop. We'll have to look at that. All right. Restoration Harder. We'll look at that soon. It is... Uh...
0: Bloomberg Surveillance brought to you by Volvo Cars White Plains. Visit volvocarswhiteplains.com. Here is John Tucker with the latest news headlines.
5: And Michael and Tom Houston will be the site of tonight's Republican presidential debate. With Donald Trump rivals, uh, getting one more chance to try to derail the GOP frontrunner before Super Tuesday. There is a state of emergency in Virginia. That's where four people were killed after tornadoes-damaged homes left thousands without power across the state. World Health Organization says women breastfeeding their babies in countries hit by the Zika virus should continue to do so. And uh, look out, Hollywood, February. China broke the global box office record for a single week, $557 million in ticket sales. These are all local films. The, uh, The big draw there, Mermaid. A quirky comedy from director Stephen Chow about a mermaid who falls in love with a real estate tycoon she sent to assassinate the highest-grossing film of all time in China. Another one I'm not going to see. Global News, 24 hours a day, powered by our 2,400 journalists in more than 150 news bureaus around the world. I'm John Tucker. Tom.
3: Was that for your Oscar consideration?
5: Uh, This is not among the films being considered (laughs) for the Oscars. Sunday, the Oscars. Your pick? Oh, are they? Uh, I didn't know that. Reverent, I would say.
3: I I just, a full disclosure, folks, I'm not on top of the story. Yeah, you know, i I, I, I got like to catch up in. fast. We're all, we're all big short in.
0: fans here. They may not win. Yeah, big we, short. We've got a dog in the fight.
3: We do have a dog in the fight. Uh, green and red on the screen. NASDAQ 100 down fractionally. The Dow up 43 uh, points. Continue with us, please. Michael McKee and Tom Keen, Bloomberg Surveillance.
0: Bloomberg Surveillance brought to you by New York Community Bank and New York Commercial Bank, the NYCB family of banks. Bank with confidence anywhere you see the NYCB logo throughout the New York Metro. Visit nycbfamily.com.
2: Global Business News, 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com. The Radio Plus mobile app. And on your radio, this is a Bloomberg Business Flash.
6: And I'm Karen Moscow. Banks facing an early advance in U.S. stocks, which are extending, well, which are now little changed in their trally – which are now little changed. We'll leave it at that. The S&P 500 is little changed at 19.30. Dow Jones Industrial Average up about 5 points to 16,489. And the NASDAQ, it's down 2 tenths percent now, or about 8 points to 45.34. The 10-year Treasury up 11.30 seconds. The yield 1.70%. The yield on the two-year, 0.71%. NYMEX Crude Oil down 1.3%, or 43 cents, to $31.72 a barrel. And COMEX Gold is down 2 tenths percent, or $2.40 to 12 dollars 56, 60 outs. The Euros at $1.1012. The yen won 12.70. Consumer sentiment in the U.S. remaining stable last week and close to a three month high, helped in part by upbeat views of buying conditions. The Bloomberg Consumer Comfort Index little changed at 44.2 in the period that ended February 21st. That compares with 44.3 the prior week. And orders for U.S. capital goods rebounding in January by the most since June 2014. Bookings for non military equipment, excluding Commercial aircraft jumping 3.9 percent. That was more than forecast after a 3.7 percent decrease in December that was smaller than previously reported. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Tom and Mike.
0: Hi, Moscow. Thank you very much. This is an exciting day. The only thing you didn't do is bring the champagne. Uh, Peter Elliott, who is uh, in charge of our uh, restru- restaurants and um, drinking establishments coverage, Bloomberg Briefs, which, of course, everybody wants to get a hold of. Bloomberg's Briefs uh, Reserve is, is the product. And if you have a Bloomberg, and, of course, who doesn't? Uh, everybody would want one. Dine Go, and there is a new Dine Go coming to a Bloomberg near you and you're all excited by this
1: I am good morning and gentlemen it sounds
0: from what you were telling me like it's gonna be pretty cool
1: I'm I'm I gotta say it's uh, uh, you can teach an old dog new tricks and if and if we are able to pull this off the way that uh, you know Apple pulls these things off I will indeed bring you both a bottle of very good champagne. Not nope. just the, the junky stuff. Um, um yes, Michael we are.
0: Will fire you, but we have <laughs> been,
1: uh, that's true. We'll do it outside. Um, we, we have been working on developing a new dine. Dine is our dining guide, and think of it like Yelp for the financial world, and it works. Um, unlike Yelp, I'm happy to say, all around the world, everywhere there's a Bloomberg terminal. So from Sao Paulo to Tokyo to Hong Kong, where we actually have some of our uh, most affectionate uh, users, London. So uh, we're uh, starting to roll out the new product, and it's fascinating because it takes advantage of so many of the things that uh, we talk about in this room, namely the ability to find restaurants that you want to go to, find them particularly for the financial <coughs> community. And um, I've been very excited to be working with a number of uh, these fledgling reservation companies um, who are all competing with each other. So I really want yeah. Dine to be the place where... So we, can, uh,
0: we can make a reservation on Dine Go.
1: To yes, what the we've life. really found is that Open Table, which is the largest uh, reservation platform certainly in this country, um, they bought up a company in London called TopTable and that, you know, for the for the Bloomberg audience, just the act of spending two minutes finding a restaurant that you ultimately get told you can't get into is a waste of time. So, <laughs> so, uh, so we've been really looking for products that are Guaranteeing our clients the ability to get what they want—the 7:30 uh, table, the 8:30 table—just
3: because of time. Um, part of it is, if you make a reservation, it's nice if you show up and the restaurant's still in business. <laughs> um, it's that time of year. I mean, we all know that. You know, you get through the holidays and it's like the theater. Know, the it's the holidays, like Broadway. It's that, it's that time of year. What when when restaurants go out of business? Is it just presumed somebody takes their spot right away? What's that back
1: story? Ah, well, it, it's it's the real estate story, and as you know, we could have our own program just on the, just yeah. on the real estate. Sometimes yes, and sometimes no. Sometimes, it just came up uh, uh, yesterday in conversation with with a with a client, Barbudo, a wonderful, terrific restaurant uh, down in the West Village. Barbudo has sort of been on a death watch for uh, almost two years now. And everybody says, well, you keep saying Barbudo is going to close, but in fact, it's still open. And the reason it's still open is because, luckily, Jonathan Waxman is a smart guy, and his other restaurants are making money elsewhere. So he's clearly talking to his landlords to find a way to come up with a decent rent deal, which works for him. So Barbudo lives on in that space. That's his particular story. Other restaurants are literally have people knocking on the door, um, waiting for them to take over spaces. Others will sit empty for years and years and years for a variety of, of reasons. But mostly, landlords certainly at the moment feel the need that they can hold on and hold out for places that will come in and pay or groups that will come in and pay yeah. uh, higher rents. Mm-hmm. And they tend, I'm sorry to say, to win. What, what, what leads to a
0: closing more often? The fact that they run up against something like, uh, uh, no, the, like the landlord yeah, yeah. or do, do, does somebody just get tired of...
3: You, you and I used to go to cocktails every Tuesday night at Cereos at the Pierre Hotel. Just because we're massive hitters. Yeah. Mike, we don't anymore.
1: No. There's that. Um, that is a, a, more complex story. One, it is in a hotel. Two, it is in a very difficult space. Three, it is controlled by, uh, the, 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 one word that, that restaurateurs dislike most in this city called the union. Uh, four, it's owned by Taj Hotels, which is a very powerful brand right now. Elsewhere in the world. So what's really happening in Syria is the story of what's happening elsewhere <laughs> in the world. You know what? Taj is is a, a chain that is running hotels in India and running hotels in Hong Kong. They don't really give uh, too much about uh, what's going on at the pier, so they want what they want in that space. So that was a headwind for that particular restaurant that was even worse for them than the union, even worse than the two of you showing up on a Tuesday night. So, every restaurant has its own particular particular and complex set of problems. Um, David Waltok, one of the most talented and beloved chefs in New York City of um, you know it 's closing Elan in a few days uh, in the 20s so it, the, the mm-hmm. closing of restaurants in the city is currently happening everywhere no it 's really a tough time
3: in the time left uh, it was mentioned to me the other day, and I actually got brave and went out and tried to do my Peter Elliott imitation. I went down in flames. Tell us how how to buy cognac or how to order it in a restaurant
1: um well the, the, for the uh, those of us not as attuned as you um well i i don't 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 i mean i would like to claim that i'm attuned to everything in the food world but um you know one cognac or a grappa you know if you want to see see me on the floor scratching my belly <laughs> i mean it's a that's a hard thing to do of a of mean, a wednesday night I, I, i'm at a
3: table in boston or washington i'm down in washington and some guy goes, let's have a cognac. I'm like, oh, God, am I going to embarrass myself?
1: Go. Yes. Well, I, I wonder then how you wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning and appear on the air. But once you're, once you're beyond the process of doing it, the simplest way, if you, you really don't know what you are doing, is to throw yourself on the mercy of a sommelier who should um, help you guide through the process. And the thing with cognacs in particular is is that you're spending a great deal of money. It's not like you're spending eleven dollars for a glass yeah, uh, you know, you're not spending yeah, eleven dollars yeah. for a, a glass yeah. of wine. You're spending thirty, forty, fifty dollars on something. So you really sort of want to know that you're as like all things, when you're in what I call the browns, cognac, whiskies, bourbons, you really want to Put yourself in the sommelier's head and say what it is that you like. Do you want P.D.? Do you want light? Do you really want to roll out of the restaurant or just uh, keep going? So in the in the cognac thing, you know, you're probably looking for the closest way to describe what you're feeling. Smooth. I want to go to bed in an hour. Something like that will help them help you get a terrific glass.
0: This is why, you know, reserve and and Peter so valuable because you learn. Stuff like that. Hey, I was uh, looking. Speaking of the new reserve, uh, you got an interview with Bobby Flay coming
1: up. Bobby Flay was in this week speaking of somebody, you know, here is one of uh, another New York icon, a kid who dropped out of high school, you know, became uh, uh, an icon uh, for his restaurant, Mesa Grill, in the early 90s, set the tone for the food network. Um, we had him in here on Monday for a really hard look. And here he is at age 51 asking some of these questions. This is a guy who wants to move to Italy just so he can learn Italian, but he runs two restaurants here in New York, Gatto and Bar American. And he says the pressure on restaurants, not just from the tipping thing, not just from higher costs, not just from landlords, right. but just the day-to-day grind of it is so hard um, that even he considers, you know, is it, when, when is the right time to get out and how restaurants are going to start changing over the next few years.
3: Can I ask a dumb question? And, uh, Only dumb is, answers. Well, does, does he have equity or something in Food Network? I mean, he was foundational
1: he he the, was and, success and tune in tomorrow for Bloomberg Best and you'll and you'll hear his answer to that question which I will gently hint goes something like you know Mario Batali for who's terrific in the kitchen just reopened just mm-hmm. opened a first restaurant in 10 years La Serena down in, in Chelsea let's in the end doesn't have that kind of charisma he's not a TV guy he was a foundational member with yeah. Bobby Bobby still has this boyish energy that just radiates. So, no, he has absolutely no relationship with the Food Network other than I, what he does on them.
3: I know nothing, nothing about Mr. Flay. I love how he always looks desperate. Yeah, he, he just
1: is, always looks like the, um, the store just opened. Tune into Bloomberg Best. You'll hear him say he's still <clears throat> a kid cool. from New York who wants it bad.
3: Peter Elliott, look for that Bloomberg Breast with Mr. Uh, Flay. Robert
1: Flay? Is Bobby. Bobby. Bobby Flay. Bobby Flay, baby. Bobby Flay. Uh, Gatto and Bar American.
3: Coming. This has been a most interesting day. Sometimes, folks, the days... Are most interesting where the markets are just churning. Yen, 112.79, Sterling, rebounding a bit, $139.20. Mike, curve flattening. It's still there, under 100 beeps, but some stability. Are we on the G20 watch tomorrow, Mike? When's the photo op?
0: Uh, it'll be after uh, we're done, but uh, we we will be on the watch over the weekend. Monday morning, you'll come in. and They design it that way. They don't want to.
3: Why aren't you the there? Are open. I mean, you were born to go to Shanghai. That's a too. darn good question. Yeah. It'd be great to have Maybe Michael McKee uh, in Shanghai. I'll go to next one. Uh, yeah. And we'll look at Apple, oh, too. We'll a, a lot going one, yeah. on uh, tomorrow. Chinese states will. Uh, futures up 14 again. The Dow At uh, 7 We've been quoting the 10-year yield all day, 1.71%. Now at a good three basis points. We are produced by Bowdoin Genfelli, our global technical director at Bloomberg Surveillance.